this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Mr. Manichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, you know what this is. You know what time it is. Uh, it's chippy time. It's chip time. It's chip midnight time. Hello. Good evening. It's chip 30. Ooh, it's I chip like o'clock. Chip Do you know 30. where your chips are? <laughs> Going too far, going too far. There was really a commercial or or a, or a public service now announcement in up until the nineties, asking you if you remembered where your kids that you have kids or or do you know where they are? Let's yes. just think about that for a sec. <laughs> Things have changed. It's ten p.m. Do you know where your children are? I would think they would be in the bed of your home at ten what p.m. About, what about that other commercial? Do you remember that one? The uh, the dad busts the kids, the kid with drugs. Oh yeah, and he says something. The dad's like, "Where did you, where did you learn how to do this?" Or like, and and he's like, "I learned it from you, Dad. Learned it from watching you." Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, we wouldn't allow that shaming to happen now. No, there's no, there's no shame is not allowed. We are shame free society. Yes. No. Uh, speaking of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there's no segue there. I was trying to think of the segue too, and I could not think of one. Who's your interview subject for this particular episode, Chip? Oh, maybe the word law. Oh, that might be that might be the that might have been the transition. Uh, Okay, let's back it up. So I talked to Dave Smalley, the lead singer of the band Down by Law. He also sang with All and Dag Nasty, and he's since the '90s had a number of bands. In addition to Down by Law, who's released a number of albums. I mean. The artists that I have typically interviewed for Dig Me Out have been artists maybe who put out albums in the 90s and then realized that the dream was over and may have gotten jobs and come back to music at some point. But Dave Smalley has been releasing music since I think the mid 80s without ever really stopping, whether it's with Down By Law or a number of other projects. So it was kind of cool to kind of get that perspective of not somebody who ever went away and came back to it or was reminiscing, but somebody who's been active since the 80s. And I remember all in terms of his um, back catalog. That was something we played at the radio station. We always bring this up, but, you know, at WFL and Bowling Green, I remember seeing like all, I think Pummel was one of the albums that came out when we were there. I remember seeing that in the stacks and it might've been in rotation even. Um, He was not on, he was on the two, he was on an album in the eighties, All Roy for Prez and All Roy Says. Okay. So the first two after the guys from the Descendants, yeah, and Milo was doing his thing, going to school and what have you. So that's okay. So okay, and, and I th- and I think Dave's been pretty vocal, and he even says it in the interview that at the time, in that time of his life, like all was out all the time, and that it just got to be a little bit too much for him. It was just it was draining to always be on the road and to kind of never sleep in your own bed, and and so he his tenure in that band was was relatively short, just because it was it got to be a little bit too much. He was not a road dog. He wasn't, but but then he ended up, you know, starting down by law. And I, I think that they didn't quite do as many dates, but he also kind of reprioritized his values and kind of, kind of figure out how to make it all work. 
Got it. Uh, you know, big thing like um, I had mentioned to somebody that I'd interviewed Dave and this person was like, I, I've seen Down by Law, but he's like, I, I think it was, I didn't go to see them. I went to go see some other bands. And then he connected that it was at the Warp Tour and, and, and Down by Law played the Warp Tour a few times. And so maybe a lot of the listeners had a chance to catch them on that. Perhaps we discussed them when we did our Warped Tour episode. I think that is entirely possible. Which you can uh, check in our, find in our archives. Yeah, I will say, you know, um, mom taught me never to have uh, preconceived notions about people or never judge a book by its cover. And, you know, when you're interviewing somebody who's been in punk rock bands since the 80s, I'll admit that I was a little bit nervous because I grew up in the suburbs and listened to eighties hair metal. And so what do I have in common with a punk rocker who, you know, has lived that life of a punk rocker. Dave Smalley is one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to. Just seems to be just a, a very generous, happy, friendly guy. You know, he has nothing, you know, these guys who have been around forever and have been in a couple of different bands and have gone through band members, they may or may not publicly share stories about uh, this guy. I had, I had to kick him out for this, or we broke up because of infighting. Dave just seems to, at least from our conversation, seems to just have gotten along with everybody, had nothing bad to say about anybody. He's just happy and excited to, that people even know who he is and have heard his music and, you know, loves it, it, the fact he's his current project, Don't Sleep. Uh, are putting an album out in June. And he said that he met those guys. They were fans of his and they sent him a message through, I think he said maybe Facebook or Instagram. They sent him a message and said, hey, would you like to sing on a song? We we have this music. We'd love to have you help out or maybe produce it or guest on it. And he ended up liking it. And he was like, hey, we should start a band together. Um, so he, he, that's cool. Just, just a really great, friendly guy. It's great when you meet, uh, meet people that have been in the business for a while and you know, things didn't come easy, but they just still love doing it. Another thing, like they, like down by law, I think, you know, they had their moment, you know, they, 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 they headline tours. They played on the warp tour, but they were never, they never were green day or offspring or, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they never reached that level, but you know, he's been able to make it work and he's had a great time doing it and he has no regrets. And, you know, I, what I took away is that he's going to keep making music until the day that he can't. Awesome. That's not, uh, that's not bad. That's a good life. If you get to do what you want to do and, uh, you're right. I, I, there are someone, there are a band that I'm not super familiar with, but, uh, I think you mentioned before the podcast, I did actually review their last record for our box newsletter, which comes out every week and, uh, enjoyed it very much. I'm trying yeah, to find I the, uh, the, the name of it. I don't remember the name of the the record, but it was, it was, um, sometime last year. Not in 2021, I think. While you're looking for that, I know that I told him and it's, I had the punk rock Academy fight song CD that came out in 94. And I'm positive that I bought that because of the punk movement that was happening at the time. And, and we talked about that, you know, green day spearheaded this revolution of bands and opened the doors for a lot of people. And I was caught up in all of that, you know, coming I've been on the podcast before about different years and different scenes, how it went from eighties hair metal into grunge and then the pop punk movement started. And so I was buying green day and rancid and offspring and down by law and Pennywise and like that whole, you know, bad religion, all those sort of bands that, that kind of rose to the, to the common collective in the, in the mid nineties. So I definitely had a down by law CD. Yeah. 
during that time frame. Yeah, I just found it. it was called Lonely Town. Came out in uh, 2021, uh, and I enjoyed it. I gave it a worthy album. I actually got to the point where it says uh, the the closer had a power pop vibe. So I mean, we were talking about h- hardcore versus punk versus you know pop punk and that kind of stuff. And uh, it, there I was referencing 70s power pop. So. Right. Yeah, you'll hear Dave, throughout the interview, Dave talks a lot about being part of the hardcore scene and hardcore bands, and he talks about sick of it all and agnostic front and being friends and and you know kind of running in the scene with those guys. But I think you're right. I think down by law, um, I think maybe my definition of hardcore is different than Dave's. And and I mean, he lived that life, so I'm gonna I'm gonna de- yeah. default to what he says and what he thinks. But um, yeah, down by law was more. Uh, I don't want to say this, but palatable than some of the hardcore stuff that was just kind of a brutal listen like down by law is a very enjoyable listen <laughs> you can tell him what hardcore really is don't 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 be intimidated <laughs> tell dave smalley what hardcore is <laughs> no. sit him down yeah chip thank you for another interview and uh, we, we know you've already got the next one ready to go so but we're not going to spoil it we'll wait till we drop that one we surprise you these we don't we don't preview these. There's no hint that these are coming. They just drop. Boom. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> let's go to that interview with Dave Smalley. Welcome to another Dig Me Out podcast episode. I'm here with Dave Smalley from the band Down By Law and many other bands. So Dave, instead of telling me how you're doing today, tell me what were you doing today before this conversation started? Hey, thanks, Chip. Uh, Super great to be here. Thank you very, very much for for all of you having me on and for doing uh, good things for music, truly. Um, So today, I think, so I have a... um, I bought a, a, I got a puppy for my uh, now eight-year-old daughter when she was seven. He's now nine months old. He's a golden retriever and his name is Snuggles. So that is because, you know, my daughter named him at seven years old. And so his name is Snuggles. So Snuggles was a very adorable, tiny, fluffy little puppy. Snuggles is now well on his way to a hundred pounds he is huge. And I've had dogs pretty much my whole life and love dogs and, you know, but never one this size. And so I just took Snuggles out for a walk uh, outside and um, he's he's poorly behaved. And that's my fault because I'm not a good trainer. Um, and my neighbor was walking by Ben and his dog who's a black lab who he has trained his black lab exquisitely like this dog can can like you know does every you know heal turn you know he does all the stuff right that snuggles simply cannot or will not do and again i'm looking at myself you know as the 
chief culprit here. It's not Snuggles fault. So, but Snuggles goes ballistic in a good way, a loving way when he sees um, anybody else, any other human, um, and just, just my daughter and me, he's, he's fine with, but when he just lunges, jumps on their chest, his tail's wagging the whole time. No, not, not a bad bone in his body, but he is huge. And he literally has knocked people over. Um, and, and, you know, he's just going bananas and I, I, I can't really uh, see it now because I washed my hands when I got out, but my hands were just covered with like the leash was, you know, like digging into my flesh. And, um, and I was like, come on, buddy, come on. No, you know, and just, so I was exhibiting my failed, um, my failed, uh, ownership of snuggles, uh, today. That was the highlight slash low light. Um, and I asked the vet last time he was in, you know, for his shots or whatever. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, when does, when does this guy calm down? You know, cause he's just so he's a whirling dervish or whatever that expression is. And, um, and he said, Oh, he'll be fine when he's about two. And I'm like, so I have over a year left of mayhem. So that's, that's a longer story than you probably wanted, but that's what I was doing was trying not to get my hand ripped off while I was trying to calm snuggles down and get him to behave like just a teeny bit he did eventually calm down a little but oh yeah so well, i was gonna say listeners may want to fast forward a little bit because i'm i've got a couple of dogs myself we could probably talk about dogs for the next hour um, I, i'd be into it yeah absolutely have, what do you have so we have a mix uh golden german shepherd he looks like a golden oh we okay. actually did the dog dna test on it and 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 determined that he is 50 percent both so he had a, a obviously a, a german shepherd parent and a golden retriever yeah like um, okay he's three and then we got a puppy in october november and that guy is a again we did the dog dna because we couldn't quite figure out he is a white german shepherd oh wow and so um so you know at some point in this interview if somebody comes and knocks on the door or if somebody walks by the house or something we likely will be able to hear them because they are very vocal that's great. I love it. Yes. I love it. What are their names? Your dogs. Um, so Charlie is the golden and Fozzie is the German shepherd. After Fozzie bear, yes. after the Muppets. Okay. Yep. A great name. Great name. Both so of them before, are good names. So before we really get diving in, uh, dig me out. Yeah, your, your listeners and viewers are like clicking off right now. Yes. Like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is the most, these guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, dig me out. Uh, one of the things that dig me out does is allows uh, listeners to submit album requests that they want to have reviewed at some point. And coincidentally on April, I can't remember the date, April 27th, I was just looking at uh, all the submissions from a, I'm going to read this Dave Tibble, David Tibble, David Tibble submitted a request to have down by laws, punk rock Academy fight song to be reviewed on the show. So we, we always ask our listeners to kind of, give a little reason why. And and Dave said, this album is a desert island pick for me. I think it's a great punk album. I love Dave Smalley's voice. There's catchy tunes, emo punk ballads, humor, and a great cover of 500 Miles. So Dave, I don't know that the guys are going to review the album, but here we've got a singer from Down By Law. So trying to kill two birds with one stone. Thank you very much, uh, David Tibble. And um, that means a lot to me, truly. Um, That was a, so really, I will say that you know, as you know, now that I'm I'm getting close to you know retirement age or whatever, you know, I'm I'm going to say that recording Punk Rock Academy fight song was one of the more unique 
things I've ever done in music. It was just, there's been a few times when I was recording when you could feel the karma in the air. And I, I do um, believe in karma. I'm, I'm you know, on my way. I wouldn't declare myself a Buddhist per se, because I think I don't know enough to call myself that, but I'm certainly in line with the tenets that I saw as, as much as I understand them. I'm trying to get smarter and, and they resonate with me, you know, um, but uh, I will say that there was karma or something in the air during that recording. Um, and there was with, with can I say as well for, for Dag Nasty. Um, and there was with uh, I've been lucky in that. I think every band I've been in has had at least one album with that karma in the air, but definitely I, when I hear punk rock Academy fight song, somebody mention it and my mind is instantly we're back at AM studios. Um, we are um, goofy. We're ecstatic because we're in a place where if you pinched me, I'm dreaming. I wouldn't have even dreamed that I would ever be recording in AM recording studios uh, when I was, a, you know, coming up. And um, um, the fact that the Rolling Stones were down the hall in the big studio recording uh, the Steel Wheels album. The fact that I got to meet Keith Richards, um, this is stuff that you just never, you know, uh, literally pinch me, I'm dreaming, and then I'm still not going to believe it, you know, yeah. so, but the the atmosphere, the fun, the, the silliness, and the absolute spontaneity of the whole album was, there was a magic there, there really was, and um, that was just, you know, just such a, uh, such a lot of fun moments i mean so sam who's you know been my friend and musical partner sam williams um is one of the best guitar players in america easily top five of, of i mean i'm talking easy m probably number one in my book but it, you know given some leeway to stefan and a few other great guitar players that i know but 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 certainly sam williams is top of the list or top in the top five and um uh, he's my favorite you know guitar player and he um he would just do these drawings, you know, that were just ridiculous. Like he drew the little fuck it boy. So we had, um, we have this little thing. If you look on the disc or on the vinyl, there's, there's a little, little punk rock guy with spiky collar and, and he's like just giving the middle finger and, and um, we named him the fuck it boy. And he's cause he's saying fuck it and um, just ridiculous. And then he did another one where he drew a picture with a, just a goofy, guy big smile on his face and the guy's saying f you danny danny was our drummer on uh all scratched up but like just just these moments where sam would do these insane things and we had we had a, a list of album titles proposed album titles right and so so we had this list and just put on your put on you know whatever title you know you're thinking of as we're as we're doing this thing and recording and tracking and and um so there was all kinds of things and you know i i won't even go into some of the titles that were suggested they 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 were they they were not for fit for polite society um uh, certainly there was one from one of our roadies that was you know the talk of the town but uh decided not to go with that one and um but i wrote down uh punk rock academy fight song and that's a combination of the mission of burma song academy fight song which is one of my all-time favorite um you know, songs and groups, actually. And Mission to Burma, of course, is from Boston, where I lived for, you know, uh, four or five years and loved and still love. And so, um, so then I just put punk rock in the front of that. And I just 
merged it all together. Just and then I went on and didn't think anything of it. And then later that afternoon, Hunter, our drummer for Punk Rock Academy Fight Song, he we were all just hanging out and he was looking at the list and I think we were listening to a playback or something. He said, Oh, who named the album? And we all looked at him like what? And he said, Punk Rock Academy Fight Song. That's it. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's it. You know, and I'm like, I did, but that was kind of just a joke. And he's like, Nope, that's it. That's <laughs> so it was you know and uh, that's how that album title came to be so you mentioned it was a magical moment for you that album that was i think my introduction to the band uh what like what what do you think like what do you what made it so magical for you and i'm trying to think of the time period of 94 and that was probably when you know like Time magazine would have said like the the year that the next wave of punk broke, right? It was sort of Green Day and 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 Bad Religion and Rancid and and those bands were starting to kind of really become a little bit mainstream, I guess. Do you think that was kind of it was a combination of that and kind of you had been a couple albums in, it was kind of now your time to kind of step up? That's a great question. Um I don't know because I think if I knew what made those moments, I would package it and keep it or sell it or you know what I mean like you'd you'd be able to replicate it at will but I don't really know I think a lot of it is the time like you say the exact moment you know and then a lot of it is the exact combination of people in a given room at a certain time and even people that you know you may not interact with them again but they for whatever reason but they at that time you know there's a there's a book by a guy named Eckhart Tolle I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Eckhart Tolle but he's a spiritual writer um very interesting guy fascinating guy and he's a some of his works are best on he wrote a book called The Power of Now and then a, a subsequent book um is called uh, A New Earth and I'm going to butcher it as a lay person describing it but the part of the gist of The Power of Now and A New Earth is that um we spend a lot of time looking back with either regret or wanting to stay in the past. So let's say you were a football star in high school and, you know, like in breaking away, the movie breaking away, you know, and that there's that one guy who was the football quarterback and he just wants to live in the past. Right. And then, or there's people who just live in the past, like, damn it. Why did I break up with that person? Why did I not take that job? Why did I take that job? You know, or, or why did I, you know, get in an argument with my, whatever, teacher or my boss, whatever, you know, there's our best friend and now we're not best friends anymore. You know, there's so many, um, there's so many uh, things that we do that we're living in the past or we're living in the future. I don't want to do this today because that might endanger my future. Or I don't, I don't, I better not do something I really love because I might not then be able to do something in the future. Or I'm, I'm going to be rich in the future but today I'm miserable because I'm not going to, because I'm not rich now. So we do a lot of things where our, our heads and our spirits and our minds and our hearts are not in the now, but rather they're in the past or the future with fear or regret on both of those sides. So, so I think when I look back at those moments, I say, those were magic moments. I don't know how, why, you know, what created them, but I was, I was just cognizant enough just smart and nah, i don't want to say smart because i'm not i was just uh aware enough to sense it it was you know the proverbial lightning in a bottle or whatever you know and and so i think i felt it we all felt it when we were recording punk rock academy fights you know and i would say that don't sleep has had those moments as well 
as well as the Bandoleros, as well as, you know, um, all, you know, and, and DYS. And we've, I've been lucky to have that feeling in various, you know, permutations, different times. Yeah. You, I mean, you had obviously come from some pretty well-known bands. It wasn't like this was your first rodeo. Um, yeah. Did it feel like, uh, um, did, did it feel like, or Punk Rock Academy fight song, did it feel like you had finally arrived or had you already had that feeling a couple times kind of kind of up until that point through through other projects you had done um yes that's a that's a really interesting one too um i would say we didn't know that we had arrived um but certainly the and there'd been some really nice reactions to the first down by law and there'd been some really nice reactions to the to blue which was our our second record and then um and you know you talk about 90s bands and we were very much that you know the the punk explosion like you said and and all of that so um uh i always thought that one of the things i loved a lot about down by law was even then we were um we were more musicians than than maybe some of our peers and that probably hurt us in some ways because we were less focused on um uh anything besides the music so you have a song like our own way or the cover of 500 miles, you know, or whatever song you want. And those are songs that most groups at that time, there were punk groups, you know, wouldn't have done. And that's not making us better or worse. It's just saying we stood in our own little world, you know, and, and um, I think that we kind of felt like something was changing when we realized the reaction to punk rock Academy fight song. We're like, Oh, you know, wait, you want us to go on warp tour? Oh, do you want us to headline this festival? this place they've always been an opener for you know what i mean it was kind of yeah. like one of those things like um and then that was that was a really fun you know time and i remember we were in we were on the warp tour in um in, in europe we were doing the warp tour in europe and we were playing at the uh, uh in leeds i think it was um and uh at one of the big festivals um and uh huge tent like probably five thousand people and then more you know outside and um and i'd still remember fletcher from pennywise and we were going on and people were already like down by law you know and stuff and i'm like what the hell is this you know and and um and fletcher looked at me and he's a big guy you know and and pennywise has always been pretty huge you know so they they they're a very very big popular band and um super great guys um and a really talented band so, but anyway, Fletcher was looking at it and he's, he gives me this wicked smile, you know, keep in mind, he's like six, four or something, you know, and, and, you know, strong and big. Yeah. He looks at me and he's like, this is your time, brother. Don't fuck it up. And I was like, thanks, Fletcher. Really appreciate that. Yeah. So then he kind of like basically just shoved me out on stage, you know, and, uh, and we had a good show. So it was great. But I'll never forget that moment. So I feel like a lot of the bands that I've talked to you for dig me out they've gone through certain periods. You know, I've talked to some guys who came out of the late eighties and into the early nineties that might've been involved in like the LA sunset strip scene. And by the mid nineties, their careers weren't done, but their careers were put on hold for a long time. And then I've talked to some other bands who kind of emerged kind of mid nineties in the, in the signing frenzy of everything that was considered alternative. And again, major labels going through layoffs and changes and they put out one or two records and found themselves label list yeah. you put out if i'm counting correctly six albums in the 90s and not only down by law albums in the 90s i mean down by law is not just a 90s band i mean you had albums 
up until a couple of years ago. I mean, and, and it's still yeah. an active As a band, matter right? of fact, yeah, we're, we're still recording right now. Yeah. Sam has been sending me some songs and I'm writing uh, lyrics and melodies for him right now. Yes. Yeah. So what do you attribute that longevity to when all these other bands that I seem to talk to had like a, a short burst in the sun and, and, yeah, you know, like uh, you, you can look at, for instance, most of the great discord bands, right, in the 80s and 90s. And and um, most of them, any one of them could probably reform right now and, and be extremely popular. And they just they just didn't. For whatever reason, you know, bands implode. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's interpersonal. Sometimes if somebody gets, you know, married or a job or, you know, grown up life takes them a different way and they don't think they can do both. And there's no rhyme or reason for how band might you know stop um but i i guess um you know you, you do it as long as you feel it's the right thing and as long as you're having fun and you know um i mean i i think for me i i was kind of like i think somebody called me once the johnny apple seed of punk you know because i would like kind of go and you know i started you know, I did DYS and then, well, DYS didn't last. We lasted for, you know, three or four years and then, and then we broke up. And that was, that was weird. Cause that was in 85 and we went to, to Charlie's, which was a um, diner in Kenmore square in Boston. And I remember we were just all, and we'd kind of been moving more toward, toward rock. You know, we'd all learned to play our instruments or sing a little bit better. And, and, and like we were playing Dio covers and Van Halen covers at the, you know, at the paradise in Boston and other places. So, you know, we were moving that way as long as, as well were all the other Boston hardcore bands were kind of morphing toward, we all grew up, you know, worshiping, you know, Iron Maiden or Jews Priest or ACDC or whatever, Venom, you know. And and so, you know, I remember we were at Charlie's and just eating and we all just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, this is it. You know, like, yeah, let's just call it. You know, it was like, it wasn't, and we just kept on eating. We had the rest of our meal you know, and, and it was so peaceful and mellow. And I still love those guys always have, you know, Jonathan Anastas who went on to uh, be in the first base player for slap shot um, as well as um, uh, obviously all the permutations of, of DYS um, subsequently occasional reunions that we've done. He has remained, you know, one of my inner, inner circle of friends. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and so there was never a drop of acrimony badness madness maybe a little sadness but it was just time you know it was time but i've been in other bands where i was exhausted and just couldn't keep going you know yeah. i was exhausted from the road i think when i was in all um i was we i was on the road for better part of a year and uh, it was tough touring life you know as i'm not crying it was a great golden fantastic lucky opportunity you know i wouldn't trade it for anything you could give me a million dollars a check right now would you take back that year nope Take your money. I don't want to take it back. But um, but nonetheless, by the end, I was exhausted, physically exhausted. Um, you know, I'd never been on the road for that long before. Um, and and I was just I was I was burnt, you know, and 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 but again, not a drop of badness, you know, it just just but that was a different circumstance, you know, from from another reason. And that nasty, I got a chance to go to grad school. And so I took that and, you know, just whatever, you know, we just, we always have reasons for life. Think of all the things you've done in life where you've made a change and not always the same reason. Yeah. So, so what did you bring from those experiences into down by law so that you didn't get burned out? Was it like, did you cut back on how much touring you did or um, were there other things that you had learned from the past that, so that you didn't get burned out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, 
I think part of it was Sam, to be honest. Sam and I have been lifelong, you know, best friends. And he I just have such admiration for his songwriting and for his guitar playing that um like he sends me these songs right now, now that we're in different cities and everything, but even when we were when we were in the same city in LA, like, but he'll send me these songs. And for me, and I've said this before, it's like Christmas, you know, because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm like literally gleefully rubbing my hands with excitement because I'm going to hear the the magic that Sam Williams did, you know, and it's so exciting. And then he laughs and says, it's the same for him in reverse. Cause when I do the scratch vocal and I send it back to him or when he, when I just go to track and he hasn't even heard what I've done yet for him, that's his Christmas, you know, and it's just, so I think Sam Williams was a huge part of why, you know, um, why we, we stayed. And then um, I think there's a real, like I said, sense of musicianship about um, down by law that I think, again, for better or for worse, helps Down by Law stand out or stand apart sometimes. We are not a typical uh, hardcore band. Um, we we have some songs that that could fit right in with, you know, any any band you like, um, but uh, that's in the genre right now, you know, but, and I love that. I love, I grew up on it, you know, it's part of my DNA. Um, I am a hardcore punk rock guy, you know, but I also grew up singing in church choirs. I also took piano lessons and I was always, and I took trumpet and whatever, like I was always a musician as much as I was, you know, a, a hardcore guy. So, so I was really lucky because those two married up pretty nicely. So I was able to do what I did in Dagnasty or, or all or whatever, because we're down by law because of who I was because of my background and, and all that. And then Sam, Sam was this kid who grew up, um, playing, uh, he would actually skip school sometimes and just sit there and play Van Halen records all day and play along to them on guitar. And when I say play along to them, he can play along to Eddie Van Halen. Like who does that? Right. right. Like who does that? Nobody, you know, but Sam can do it. And, um, and, and so, um, that kind of thing. And, and we started out from real honest roots, you know, it's just me and the chemical people, some friends of mine, you know, who, who uh, were were great band in their own right, and then um, we we sort of just uh, formed that out of friendship, pure friendship. I just said, "Hey, I've got a few songs. Do you guys mind playing them so I could hear what they sound like?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." So so we we got together and sounded amazing because they were all great musicians and great guys. And then um, that kind of that that sort of became more than we imagined it would because I really, like I said, it was the original thing was, Hey, let's just do this. And I say, all right, let's, let's, um, yeah, let's go do a couple of fun shows, you know? And then like, so we played, you know, the anti-club I think was our first show or was that the first show? I can't remember. I think it was the anti-club anyway. So we did that. And there were a few others, you know, coconut teaser was an early one, but uh, anti-club was, I believe our first show. And, um, but anyway, so it just had real honest beginnings. And I liked that too. It wasn't like we set out to do anything. It was just like, Hey, you know, and then, you know, we'd sit there and order pizza and Coke and, you know, you know, after practice, it was just very organic. And then, um, and then that kind of dissolved in its own way after blue and the second record. And then, and that was okay because it was just like, it, it had already done more than anybody thought they were doing. We, we had gone on tour to Europe, just even with that lineup. And us, everybody was kind of like, wait, what, what is happening here? This is turning into something, you know, uh, Pinocchio was becoming a real boy, you know, and and so um, we just sort of, uh, you know, kind of that kind of, but again, naturally, no acrimony dissolved, and then and then you know, Sam had written me a letter 
Uh, so I wish to goodness that I had saved it. He he sent this letter. He was in a band that had played with us um, um, called Balance, and they played with us in in uh, Florida. And he sent this letter that was just the most sincere letter I'd ever gotten. Said, "Hey, you probably don't remember me, but my band played with you at the you know at Janus Landing or Club Detroit or wherever it was, one of those two. And then um, and then he said, you know, I'm just a huge fan." Would love to audition for you guys if you ever have any opportunities. Well, that came ironically right as all the changes were happening. And so it was, you know, again, power of now, right? Like it was just like yeah. be in the moment. Don't don't be in the future too much. Don't be in the past too much. Be love your, you know, love your life and love and have expectations and joy, but but also be in the now. And I was like, huh, that's kind of funny, you know, and and um and and like I was like, sure, you know, you want to come out? And it was just instant, you know, I knew that he yeah. was, yeah. he was the guy. Did you ever feel, uh, and, and, you know, specifically about the nineties, but any, at any point, any, any sort of pressure to get music out? Like were you ever under any sort of deadlines and, and like, you got to get it out this year, it, like getting caught in that cycle of writing, recording, touring, writing, recording, touring, or, uh, did you sort of just record when, when you felt like the time was right? I would say there was, so, you know, we came, you know, came up on Epitaph Records, you know, which was formed by a punk rock guy, you know, yeah. Brett Gerwitz. Um, and so we never experienced any of that kind of major label pressure. No, no. Um, I would say that if you want to survive as a band, um, it, it, it behooves you to, to sort of, you know, keep recording and and the other thing is if you're a musician and if you're a songwriter you kind of want to like like i i feel like um stagnation is is creative death you know um so um i really wanted to always be you know cognizant of being true to your muse you know your inner muse and and not um sort of allowing uh, success or or failure or lethargy or anything else to to just to dim those fires you know i think those fires need to burn bright um so so uh so yeah we I, I think for me it was not ever an issue partly because i always you know as long as you know there's breath in my body and the the, the karma is there to create honest powerful good music i will try and answer that call yeah. Was Down by Law at the point in the 90s paying the bills or were you working other jobs like when you weren't on, on the road? I would say um, overall, there was a brief period where where we were, first of all, we were on the road a, a lot and it was yeah. almost impossible to have a, a gig at home, you know, to, you know, so it was, but it was, you know, certainly um, we weren't buying cars, even, even used cars, you know, we were paying our our rent and our food, you know, maybe for a little while, but, um, we were never, um, you know, at the stage where, you know, we were, we were, you know, making Boku bucks, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even put towards that. And then, you know, we, even when we were doing our, our best, the, the expenses side of music is very high, you know, to get either a, a van that's good where you're going to be in it for, you know, three, four months at a stretch. And you you want to at least have a van that works and is comfortable. You know, I'm not saying it has to be a, you know, the best van on the road or if you, you know, for a little, for a few tours, we did tour buses and those bloody things are expensive. I'll tell you. So, um, you know, that'll suck you faster than you can blink, you know, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars a day, you know, just for the vehicle. I don't even think that includes the driver, you know, like stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, it's, and I don't know what they are now because I haven't been in one in forever, but, 
um, yeah, it was it was expensive. So so your expenses are high even if you're making more, you know. In those tour bus days, was there ever a point where you thought you were uh, kind of living beyond your means as a band? Like, did it, it did it ever go to your head? Was there anything, any oh. anything that kind of like gave you a heightened sense of like, man, we're selling out these clubs. We got a bus. Like, we are the biggest band in the world. Or were you always pretty humble about kind of where you where you fit in in the music landscape? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a that's an interesting question. I would say we never. No, I don't think we ever took it for granted. And I don't think we ever, um, you know, and part of that's punk rock, right? Part of that's yeah. hardcore is that it's organic. And and I remember just always wanting to be with with the audience. I never liked um, barriers before the stage. I never liked, um, I mean, I, I hopefully... People who know me and who've worked with me or met with, or you know, people who met me at shows or whatever will will attest to the fact that I genuinely like people. I genuinely like um I love hardcore and punk rock and and I love independent, you know, podcasts, music, zines, labels, you know, that's all stuff that's extremely real to me. Um, so I don't think I never took it like that. Sometimes I would smile though, right? And be amazed. So I remember one time. We were in Holland and um, Amsterdam, Epitaph had an office in Amsterdam. And uh, so the gentleman who ran Epitaph Europe, uh, we we had a show the next day and it had gotten canceled. And so we're like, oh man. And I think we had a day off again the day after that. So we were like, damn, we've got three nights, you know, with, with no income, nothing to do. You know, of course you're in Amsterdam, so you can't cry, right? You're like in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, you know? So, because Amsterdam is awesome. But, um, but, uh, and I had so many good friends there that I met that, you know, great audiences, great people. So, but anyway, um, so the, the owner of, or the, the guy who was running Epitaph Europe said, um, well, do you need a hotel, you know, for a few nights? And I was like, yeah, man, thank you so much, please. You know? And he said, let me take care of it for you. Like, okay. Awesome. So he makes, you know, talks to somebody and, and they make some arrangements and says, okay, here's, here's, go to this address. You're all set for the next three nights or whatever. And, like, okay, thank you so much. You know, you, you're, you're God among men, you know? And, and so like, uh, so, you know, a great, great dude. And, and was so kind to us. And he was a very dignified guy in his, you know, probably at that time in his forties. So to us, of course, we that you think that's old at that time, you know, when you're in your twenties or whatever. And so, but anyways, um, he, uh, he, he said, here you go. So we, off we go. We pull up to this gorgeous hotel that was an old um, like apparently some old beautiful, you know, maybe a chateau or something, but it was part of the city, but it was like truly a gorgeous building just from the outside. So we go in places, I don't even want to know, five-star, whatever the highest level is far beyond us. Like we did not deserve or, or, or merit, you know, that, that place, but we all got our own room, which was again, kind of special for us. Cause a lot of times you're sharing rooms yeah. with somebody. And so, um, we go in and still remember going to one of our roadies uh, rooms and, and he got it. They give everybody got their own room, the crew, everybody it was insane. And um, so we go in and, and our, and he's got our roadies got um, the robe, you know, the hotel had robes in your room, you know? So he's got this robe on and he's smoking a pipe. And for all the world, he looked like, you know, some aristocrat from aristocrat from, uh, you know, from the 19, 30 or 20s, whatever, 10s, you know, like an old, 
you know, old world, you know, like it was the funniest thing. And he had a roaring fire going in his room. So he just looked like landed gentry, you know, and uh, it was the funniest thing in the world because this guy was decidedly not uh, uh, that. And um, yeah. it was great. It was great. I loved it. So those were times when I would smile and I'd kind of look up at this guy and universe. Thank you. You know, this is, this are, these are great moments. These are fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even that story, what you said, uh, you know, I've never been out of the U S and part of that is just, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say laziness, maybe lack of risk of adventure, but the fact, no, that not you, at all. the fact that you've been able to tour around the world is, is something you must look back on now and be like, I got to see a lot of cool places in my life. I do. I do. I'm very, um, very blessed and, and fortunate. Um, you know, uh, it was, and it's funny, you know, I, I, I see people who, you know, who have gone, you know, and still go out a lot, um, and do things. Um, and, and there's all kinds of different ways you can do it, you do it as a tourist. Um, for instance, a lot of people in Australia, they, they take off for like six months a year and they just go places like they'll work their butts off for six months and save money. And then they freaking go for six months to another part of the world or three months or four months, you know, it's incredible. I don't know if you've ever met any Australians who've done that, but it's, uh -uh. it's fairly, fairly common apparently. And, and God bless them. That's amazing. You know? And, and um, so, so they do it, you know, you know, there's many, many people do things like that, take extended trips or whatever. Um, I know one guy got, um, got married in, um, in, uh, where did he get married in Spain, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, so they, they kind of, you know, there's different ways to get overseas, but for my way, it was very unique, um, you know, and I wouldn't trade a single day of it, you know, um, just, but again, not everybody follows the same path. So I would not say you are lazy or, um, I, I would not say that I would say everybody has a different path. So there is no right or wrong. And what you've done in your life is obviously great. You're having, look what you're doing right now for your, for your pleasure. You get to do this thing for music. Like that's amazing. That's yeah. great. You know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't call it that. I would just say everybody has a different path. Um, yeah. 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 Did, did you experience any, any, like, I don't know uh, where in the nineties, what you consider to be home base. Was it, was it Boston? No, in the nineties was, was LA. Okay. LA. And so yeah, we started in LA the first, first, uh, I think we started in 89 for, for down by law. So yeah. Uh, were you ever, were you ever, I don't want to say a local band, but were you playing regularly in LA or was it always a play an occasional show in LA, but really kind of get out of town? Um, no, we were definitely an LA band. Um, you know, Epitaph, most of the bands, not all of them, but most of them were, you know, Rancid obviously had roots in Northern California. Um, but, but, uh, I would say most of the bands, you know, Pennywise was, you know, South Bay and, 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 um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, all, well, all wasn't, wasn't on, but that all was Lameda, Southern California. And then, um, uh, you know, Bad Religion, Southern California, um, you know, you could go down the list pretty much of most of the early, no effects was Northern California. They were, they were from San Francisco. Um, but, but in large part, most of the bands were, were Southern California bands. So. But like, but like you weren't playing like every Tuesday night somewhere in LA. No, mm -mm. yeah, no, we would, we would just play occasional shows, but, um, you know, um, but I would say if you asked us where you're from, everybody would have said we're an LA band. Yeah. The reason I sort of asked that is, uh, 
like I said, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and the New Bomb Turks are from Columbus. Oh, New Bomb Turks are awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and and they always, in when I was in college, I mean, they always did well in Columbus and they played here probably more often than not, but they weren't, they weren't the Tuesday night at a club band. I mean, it was a special yeah. show, but I was always super intrigued and especially before the internet, hearing their stories about going to Europe and just the the crowds they had there. And I, and I was sort of, I was sort of wondering if you found that crowds outside of your hometown were bigger, better, and knew you better than the people in your hometown. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, uh, I, I feel like we have a lot of, we've had a lot of LA fans. Um, you know, part of the thing about LA, of course, is it's huge and there's a lot of bands and um, particularly in the 90s, there were shows every, you know, almost every night or every weekend, everywhere, you know. So so I would say we probably, you know, certainly there were places that we would play. Tampa was always huge and good for for Down by Law, for instance. Um, and uh, I would say, um, you know, there were certain places, New York, New Jersey, um, you know, has always been like kind of. A lot of my people um, are in New York and New Jersey, you know, and great hardcore music there and great fans and, you know, um, everybody from, you know, American Standard um, to, you know, to to Sick of It All to, you know, I mean, gosh, the list of bands is is forever, right? From New York, uh, oh, yeah. Agnostic Front, um, you know, pick your band of, of, of greatness and, you know, the, there's a good chance they have New York or New Jersey tie-ins a lot of times. So, um, uh, but... Um, but I think we we had certain places where we did better, but I would say we always were we were we were liked in l a and we had fan base there, but maybe it wasn't our biggest, you know, and again, it also fluctuates, right? So life goes in cycles to quote a dag nasty line, life goes in cycles of highs and lows. that's something only time can show, right? So that I would say is true of bands, like you mentioned bands that you know were huge and then then they you know weren't. And that's part of the music cycle too, and part of life's cycles. Um, one of the things about, you know, as you achieve sort of more awareness of, you know, being at one with the universe a little bit, you kind of realize that those cycles are okay. And that's, you know, again, where you are right now, let's say you're in a down phase of whatever life or job or band or whatever it is, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, and, and you're in a down phase or attending. And, um, that's, that's as it should be, even though it's hard at the time. And that all that means is that there are doors opening that you don't even know, but they wouldn't have opened if you'd been staying in that same trajectory where you were before. So um, sometimes, you know, and that's particularly true if you're in a relationship that's struggling or hard, and then the, the breakup finally occurs, and it's hard, and it's painful, and it sucks. But but then you're like, you remember the pain of while it was disintegrating. Right. And the, and the hurt and sometimes anger and, and those kinds of feelings that you had loneliness, even though you're with, you know, your partner and and you remember that. And then the break finally comes and it really hurts. And you, you know, you listen to Hank Williams senior records and you, you know, and the, you know, the world, you know, is, is, is under a black cloud like Eeyore, you know, and and in Winnie the Pooh. Right. But but like but then those doors open and and in a romance sense, you before you know it, you meet somebody else. And, um, you know, or in a band sense, before you know it, you're on to the next thing. And, you know, before you know, so so those moments of highs and lows are hard at the time, really hard. Um, but they also do tend to be 
strangely enough, often something that works better than you could possibly have imagined. So you mentioned highs and lows, and, and it got me to thinking a little bit that hardcore and punk and like hard rock, like the stuff you were mentioning, the Iron Maids, the Judas Priest, like that music yeah. seems to be pretty timeless. And there's bands now, there's like hard rock bands. I think it's when there's, and I don't even want to say gimmick, but whatever like the, the now music is, maybe is not longstanding, right? Maybe in a couple of years, something new, but like, it seems like, I guess country, you can throw country music into that too, but there's certain genres of music that, um, you know, there's always going to be hardcore punk rock music and hardcore punk rock fans. Whereas again, the flavor of the month, the ska movement that happened for a little while in the nineties kind of disappeared pretty quickly. Um, yeah. That makes me wonder though, the other thing I remember about the nineties is that was, I think it was the nineties, right? The emergence of Napster was that in nineties or was that in the early two thousands? I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think you're right. It was, it was nineties. I think you're right. Yeah. Did, did, did you find that that Napster and that kind of stuff affected your band at all? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it may have, um, to me, you know, punk rock was never about, you know, um, moving units as the industry, you know, like yeah. parlance puts it, you know, selling records, they call it moving units, you know, yeah. which even that terminology to me is, you know, that's, that's not how I think or right. think about, certainly not how I think about mu making music at all, whether you're jazz, you know, reggae, punk rock, I don't care, whatever you do in life, if you're a musician, you never want to think of it as moving units, you know, yeah. I'm sure there are, you know, big, huge artists who view it as such. It's their career, their job, and they think of it as a business. And I, that's, that's, if that's what their thing is, that's cool for them, but it's never how I viewed it. So, so your answer your, to answer your question about Napster, if it did impact us, which it probably did, um, I would say it didn't impact my love for the music and it didn't impact my commitment to the music and how I viewed what this whole hardcore punk beautiful family community independent you know sharing caring swearing you know um you know world was and is and so uh, i never kind of got wrapped up in the in the debate to be honest with you um yeah. you know i do remember you know i think it was metallica sued them if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. um and i remember getting in trouble with somebody because people were saying oh you know they should they shouldn't have done that. Right. And I was just purely objective. Right. And I knew that, you know, it's not going to affect me one way or the other pretty much because yes, it might for us a thousand downloads or whatever, you know, hurts us way more than it hurts Metallica. Right. Metallica can sneeze a thousand downloads, you know, each band member, you know, so, so, you know, for us, you know, if you sell, you know, 50,000 records, uh, then, you know, a thousand is, you know, that's, that's a good chunk of change or, you know, of, 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 your, of your stuff. Right. So, but I remember saying, on the other hand, I kind of understood why they did it. And they argued at the time. And of course the fashionable thing was to do, oh, they're just doing it because they want more money. I was like, they already are huge. They are already, you know, huge. Metallica got huge very quickly. And mm -hmm. they're also one of my favorite bands, you know, I think kill them all and ride the lightning are two of the best hard rock metal records ever made, you know? So, um, but I remember thinking to myself and having this argument that they were actually saying, you shouldn't have the right to just 
take an artist's product for free, right? So let's say, let's say you, Chip, are a painter, all right? And you make a painting, all right? And it's, you worked really hard on that painting. You, you, and you spent money on the, the canvas and the paints. You spent days, weeks, months getting it right, anguish, you know, tearing up the first version, you know, everything. You spend a lot of heart and soul. You poured your heart and soul into your painting. And then I come into your house and I just take it. I just take it. I'm taking your painting. Like, wait a minute. I just poured my heart and soul into that thing. You don't, right. you know, you know, you don't have the right to just take that painting. You know, I don't even know if I want to sell it. And, and first of all, and if I do, at least, you know, give me the gesture that you respect that I poured time, effort and creativity into that, you know? So there's yeah. two sides to so many stories. Right. And um, yeah. I remember having that and, you know, the, 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 the one argument is music should be free and open to the, for the world. And I love that. I do, I do, but it is an incredibly challenging proposition. It's hard to do. It takes, you know, anguish and heart and time and love and yes, money to, you know, um, to do what everybody loves to do. So I think um, I understood both sides to that argument, really. Yeah. You know? From a money perspective, and especially hitting the iron while it's hot in the 90s, um, every, everything that we've talked about so far, I kind of feel like I know how you're going to answer this, but I want to ask you the question. Um, I mean, epitaphs seem to be a pretty big, legitimate, and they, they are. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Were you ever approached by a, a bigger label? And did you ever, um, you know, did you ever have a chance at a, at a Warner Brothers contract or a Sony contract? So there's been two times that I can think of off the top of my head in my career where that was, was a, you know, a thing. One was after our second uh, DYS record came out, the metal one. Hmm. Um, we were, we were, uh, we got, uh, flown down to New York to go to Electra, uh, records and, and, uh, met there. And, um, the discussion that was had was, Hey, you guys, if you guys keep doing this metal thing that you're doing, this rock metal thing, we love that, you know, and, and if you want to go more in that direction, it wasn't like a, you must, or, you know, yeah. it was more like, if that's the direction you guys are going, you know, we're interested. And at, at that time, you know, I just said it was, it was where my heart was. It really was, but I couldn't commit to being fully non-punk, right? Like it's just in my blood. I, 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 you know, I've grown up in the punk and hardcore world and I love it. It's, it's a joyful world. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's creative. It's frustrating. It's fascinating. You know, it's everything, but it's, um, it is part of who I am. Yeah. And so I, 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 you know, we kind of just said no. And then, and then we had that famous, you know, thing that I talked about where we just kind of went to dinner and broke up, you know? So it wasn't a lot that long after that. We're like, huh, we could either get signed to a major label or break up. Let's break up, you know? <laughs> so that was kind of one. And then, and then the other was, um, yeah, there was, there was some, uh, there was some, uh, interest from, from a couple of labels actually in, um, in the nineties for us, for, for, for down by law. And it just wasn't, wasn't, it didn't, it just, you know, again, like I said, that, you know, that, that moment, the now, the bottle lightning, like that just never felt right. And, and we were really happy with Epitaph and, and we never pushed anything, you know, we just didn't, you know, like, nope, we're, we're good. You know, we're, we're here. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, but, um, you know. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, you put out six albums with Down by Law in the nineties. 
let's fast, not even fast forward. Let's go into 2000, 2000 to 2023. You've put out a ton of music. Like you've got a bunch of different bands. You've got a bunch of different stuff. Um, you know, not, not to, not to make light of it or synopsize it, but um, give me a brief like run through. So 1999 comes to an end. We enter the two thousands. Um, just talk about some of the different stuff you've been working on the last 20, 20 plus years. Man, you're trusting my memory here. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't know if I would be able to break it up chronologically the way you're asking. I can just tell you uh, right now I am, uh, you know, still doing down by law. Um, and like I say, we're actually recording right now. And and I think down by law's last couple records, um, one is called All In and um, great cover of All In. It's got a very Clint Eastwood uh, cowboy looking silhouette. Oh, yeah. And and it's it's really cool. I love the artwork. And um, the album's pretty damn good. And then there's another one called Lonely Town, which came out a few years ago. And that was our most recent album. And um, it, it too, uh, objectively, is a really strong album. Like it's some of Sam's best songwriting, um, some of my favorite lyric writing uh, and, and singing. And, um, you know, um, just there was a lot of a lot of fun creatively in that in that album. Um, so so that's down by law. And then um, I've done a band with some really dear brothers and friends in Spain. Um, they're, they're, that band is called Dave Smalley and the Bandoleros. Um, and I will tell you that I've never been in a more joyful band than the Bandoleros. Um, these guys are, first of all, they're phenomenal musicians. I, I won't play it without great musicians um, around me. And that's not because I'm great. It's because I want to feel that we are offering something so unique and so special and that we can create something so unique and so special. You know, I'm not in it just to um, to just do it only for fun. It has to be fun, but I want it to be great, too, if it can be, if it can be. And it doesn't always work. You know, like, you know, not every interview you do is going to be great. I hope yeah. this is one, but maybe it's not. No, you know, it's so thanks. Thanks. So, you know, like. I think so. So the Bandoleros are great musicians and um, they are also joyful. Like we smile so much in that band, like we'll, we'll be playing and I'll look over at Pablo or Marcelo or Javi, you know, or Rafa, and, and we will just smile at each other. They are great brothers. They are true brothers. Um, and, and the music reflects that when you listen to um, join the outsiders, which is our, our first album, uh, I think that's our only full-length album. Um, we've done a lot of other singles and EPs and things, but uh, when you listen to "Join the Outsiders" by the Vandaleras, it is a joyful album. They they just they killed it. I'm taking myself out of the equation. Those guys killed it. And um, and then um, you know, uh, "Don't Sleep" is you know this is really a cool, exciting band right now for me because um, obviously I came up you know in hardcore roots. You know, there's mm -hmm. There's a line on one of the don't sleep songs it says, I came of age in a pit. My life is proof of it, you know, and, and it's true, you know? And so, um, so, so, you know, from, from 81 to 2023, you know, I've never not been in love with hardcore and, um, and I've never not respected what it has done for so many thousands of people, me included, you know, um, you included, you know, it's, it's shaped us, it's changed yeah. us. It's hardened us. It's softened us. It's made us caring, you know, certainly for our brothers and sisters that we're interacting with in our own small scene. Cause you know, 
think about hardcore. All right. So you, so you take punk rock, capital P, right. And it's a, you know, this, 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 this relatively big field, you know, everybody from, you know, Devo to, you know, Devo and the pistols and the clash and to, you know, whoever, you know, nowadays um, is considered a punk rock band. So fairly big, you know, but, and then you take hardcore. Well, hardcore is like just one slice of that pie, right? Of that punk rock pie. It's just a slice. Mm-hmm. It's really a small slice. There's some huge bands, you know, Pennywise, you know, Sick of It All, whatever. You know, there are some huge bands that are great. And I and I am huge fans of those bands. But um, overall, it's a pretty small slice. Well, here's Don't Sleep, which comes about with four guys who sent me their demo. They're in a band called... Um, very Americans, and they, um, and the, you know, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek album type or band name, and um, they sent me this this thing over the uh, the you know on on Facebook Messenger, I think, or through through an email or something, and digital anyway. And I listened to their their album, and I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is phenomenal! Like these guys are great, and that was not a hardcore band, but they all came from the same roots, you know, and excuse me, and so they um. They they just were like, yeah, we we love what you do and we'd love to play with you anytime. So I went up and did a solo show up there and they they opened up and we all, you know, karma again, you know, it was like a spark. It was in the air. We played and then they played a couple encore songs with me. They did a couple of Dagnasty songs with me as the encore and they were they were great and it felt great. And then they we did it again. Then eventually they started playing with me as a band live, but it was still me solo. And then eventually we're like, okay, this is this is you know, this is either a thing or it's not. What do you want to do? Let's make it a thing, you know. So so we we called it uh, "Don't Sleep," and um, you know, and they and we have this shared love and love of and respect for hardcore that um, I, I truly value and cherish. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and that's cool. Uh, again, I'm going to guess your answer, but I'll, I'll let you actually answer it. Um, sure. So are, are you still, I mean, you're still finding joy and finding new bands that you like, or is it, or do you fall, tend to fall back on the stuff that you're familiar with and like the older stuff, or, or are you constant kind of at least listening to kind of what, what the current state of hardcore is? Mm, great question. I think um, a little bit of both. Um, I'd be lying if I said that I don't, like to put on uh I, I love I let me put it positive way. I do still love to put on, you know, my war or or um you know rise above or whatever black flag album or song you want, yeah. you know, um, you know, jealous again, EP, whatever, you know, that stuff is still, you know, um uh you know incredible. Um I put on early GBH album recently, you know, um uh there there's still a lot of stuff that I absolutely love. And I also love a lot of parallel bands to all that like xtc and and um you know sort of the jam and bands that weren't hardcore at all mm-hmm. but that came up in that same era or earlier maybe some of them and yet they still were part of my formulation you know and so so i still love that stuff too um i don't have as much opportunity to know about um about the newer stuff you know um i'm i'm you know super busy and and i'm not you know, sort of in good opportunities, a lot of times to learn about good new bands. I do get a lot of bands send me their stuff mm-hmm. and I love that. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll listen to it every time. So, um, anybody that sends me something, I will listen to it. I will enjoy it. I will give you thoughts on what I love about it. 
I'm never going to tear you down if you send me something. It's just not my style. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to lie. I'll tell you what I like about it. And there's always something to like about it if you work hard at it. You know, like don't ever put a band down. Um, try and realize that these are human beings, that they're they're doing what they believe in, that they love, they're good people, and find the joy of what they're doing. Um, I'd say that for whatever you do in life, you know, for your job. If your job's hard and it's frustrating, got it, been there. But but like find the joy in it. What's the joy? Maybe you're maybe the guy in the cube next to you is super funny. All right. So that, that, you know, enjoy that, you know, hang out with that, get that guy, or maybe, you know, think about what you do in your job and realize that you're helping people, you know? And so whatever you do with accountants, it doesn't matter. You, you're an accountant. That's awesome. What a great, what a great skill. And what a great thing you're doing. You're helping people, you know, you're, you know, especially if you're helping individuals at tax time or whatever. And like, Oh my gosh, what a, that's like the most honorable thing practically there is, you know, yeah. you're helping people. That's a great job. So, so there's always, you know, something to find in life that, you know, you can find joy in. And I would say that I try and find joy in whatever music I hear. Um, I will say that my 19 year old son is a musician and a pretty damn good one. I think he's definitely going to eclipse or has, let's just say he has eclipsed his old man already. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and he, was just with me for a couple of weeks. And um, he told me about this band called Fontaine's DC. Have oh, you ever yeah. heard of them? I saw yeah, them. I think they're, I saw they're them Irish. Last year. Yeah. Oh, how was it? Oh, you know, they were great. I, I went into it not knowing a ton. I had a friend who was like, we got, we, we had to go see them. And um, um, I'm 51. So I was, yeah, 51 last year when I saw them. And my friend and I worked our way up to the front you know, um, like amongst all these 25 year old kids. And sure, uh, yeah, yeah. I had, I had such, a, I was sore the next day, but I had a great time. They were, they were great. Yeah. I think they're really unique and good yeah. and, and uh, you know, um, and, and they are, you know, part of the future. Right. And that's, that's a great thing. Like, like, you know, um, and, and I, I think it's so cool that my son has been an early advocate for that band. So he was listening to them, you know, for the last, maybe two years or three yeah. years, like since he's been 16 or 17, you know, it was like amazing. So, so that's a group that I have picked up on lately, but then the cool thing about when he was here is we were talking about bands that I haven't really thought too much about, but we talked a lot about joy division yeah. and we went and found some old videos of, of joy division. And we're just talking about them. And he freaking blew me out of the water with his knowledge and um, his, his, his respect and knowledge. And, talked about how their songs were structured and what Ian Curtis, the singer was, was going through and, and what, you know, why he got to the point where he, he committed suicide, unfortunately. And yeah. um, so we just talked, you know, it was, we had some great, really deep conversations. So where I'm going with that is go backwards sometimes too, even for stuff you yeah. might think, you know, like I've kind of known Joy Division, but when they were getting big, I was getting, you know, tattoos and and spray painting walls and, you know, all that stuff, you know, and yeah. whatever, you know. So so I never really connected with Joy Division. Always thought they were pretty cool and liked them, but I didn't, you know, I didn't get to know them, frankly, yeah. very well. Just never was, you know, in my world at that time. So here I was now in 2023 talking about Joy Division and realizing anew or maybe even for the first time truly how awesome they really were. And, and that's cool too. So you can find stuff in life to be thrilled with. That's, you know, go back and listen to, listen to Chuck Berry and think about what he was doing on guitar in that era at that time. And particularly, you know, given the cultural uh, yeah. obstacles that he was facing, my God, I mean, 
holy shit, you know, that, that guy was insanely great, you know, um, you know, and, and, um, you know, or, or, you know, go back, you know, I just watched that Elvis Presley movie, um, that came out, you know, a year or so ago, I guess. And, yeah. um, I watched that with, with my son, same, same visit. And I was really impressed that they captured Elvis's friendship with, with BB King. And, um, and then, and then that they went and Elvis saw, um, little Richard do his thing, uh, at a little, you know, like a after hours nightclub type thing. And, and he was doing his thing, you know, being little Richard, which again, if you think about little Richard, my goodness, holy cow, just every barrier you could break, he was breaking, you know, with a sledgehammer. It was great. So, so that kind of thing. And then you go back and you get into the, the whatever it is, you know, joy division or whatever, little Richard, whoever, and, and you get into it and you discover it anew and it's like seeing a new band, yeah, you oh, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, and it's super cool. You know, there's a, I, there's I haven't a, seen I, it, I haven't but seen there's um, a new Little Richard documentary. Oh, okay. I, I I've, heard I've heard it's really, really good. Um, I've seen the trailer for it and it looks really good. I have not had a chance to see it yet, but. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I will have to check that out. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, and speaking of documentaries, I've, I've tried to find this quote and I don't know if I'm making it up, uh, but I feel like I heard this in the Wilco documentary from 25 years ago or whenever the, the documentary they made. The way that I remember it, and like I said, I haven't been able to to go back and watch it, so I, I could have it wrong, yeah. but I feel like it was David Frick from Rolling Stone. And, you know, that whole Wilco thing about how they, they made the, the the record for Warner Brothers and they got dropped and the label was basically like, uh, if we put it out, you have to sell so many copies. It has to have a hit within the first 30 days. Otherwise, you've lost it, right? Like no one's going to pay attention after that. And David Frick's whole thing was there's always a new kid picking up a Beatles record for the first time that it's brand new music to them. So Joy Division mm-hmm. might be a band that no one is they've been around for 40, you know, 40 years, 50 years, whatever, however long they, they, they've been around. But there's a, a kid today listening to Joy Division for the first time. Yeah. And maybe this conversation will trigger some new ones. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I've always been intrigued by that, 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 that we're we're very fortunate to live in a time when there's so much recorded history that we can always go back and discover something for the first time. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I think so too. I think so too. And and interestingly, there's been a lot of really good, you talked about documentary and there's been a lot of really good documentation of a lot of that stuff. I mean, um, there's, you know, in, in hardcore, even a lot, you know, there's, there's Steve Blush's American hardcore, you know, and, and, and a number of other great, books you know out there um and and dip documentary videos and things like that um the descendants uh, documentary is super good and you know um there's there's a, a number of you know any number of others um the boston uh documentary by drew stone um you know that's a great that's a great he did an amazing job with that so there's a lot of really good documentation done of the past um you know, the DC um, documentary, there's been a couple of good books and movies about that. So, you know, talking about that early discord world and stuff like that. So there's some super cool stuff out there that, you know, guys like, you know, unfortunately, just because of technology, among other hurdles, but technology, what didn't exist is commonplace, you know, back then. So, yeah. you know, for, for a guy like little Richard, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't somebody, there weren't 35 you know, people in the club filming every angle with their cell phones or a hundred or 50 or whatever, you know, so, you know, different world and, you know, technology was, you know, in, in some ways I kind of think that's kind of cool. I wonder, you know, did those audiences have more of a connection with the music because 
they weren't able to just hold it. They weren't concentrating on holding it up and watching, holding it above the person in front of them and, you know, all that kind of stuff right there. They were just in the moment, you know, they were just in the now, right? Like you got to see early Elvis, early BB King, you know, you know, who else would just talk about little Richard, you know, uh, Chuck Berry, whatever, you know, and, and dang, you know, um, you know, what a, what a spark that must've been. Oh, for I mean, sure. That's, that's why, you know, when you watched, even in the Elvis movie, when you watch the crowds, uh, uh, you know, you know, girls and, you know, Beatles obviously experience this a lot, but, you know, girls literally screaming until they were hoarse, fainting, you know, that's so awesome. That is awesome. Like that means that they were so into it, that that audience, that audience member, those hundreds of audience members, thousands, you know, were so moved by that, that they screamed their voice out, that they fainted, that they cried. Like, you know, that's, that's the highlight of music to me, you know, um, you know, so, so I think, you know, and I've had people tell me some really beautiful stories, not anywhere near to that scale, obviously, but, um, you know, that, that made me cry, you know, um, to where they heard a song of mine that, that made them feel, you know, a certain way or that they, you know, um, the first date that they had with their girlfriend or, or whatever, you know, there's, there's many, many wonderful stories and I cherish each one of them. And, um, you know, that's, that's where music is. That's where it matters. That's where it matters. Yeah. So I've just got a couple more. Uh, you said you were out walking your dog earlier. Do your your neighbors know who you are and what you like, do do your neighbors know about your history? Generally? No, no. Um, uh, most of them are, are, you know, um, I mean, heck I'm older now too, but, um, you know, they, they just, I get the sense that they're, and it's, I I don't really, I've never really liked it to so much be about me. Um, if that makes sense, I'd much rather be about the music and, and stuff like that. Um, I've had a couple of good conversations with, with a couple of my neighbors about music and, um, um, you know sort of one guy's a super, you know, um, seventies classic rock dude. And, um, so we talk about, you know, all of that stuff, you know, um, you know, everybody from seventies Zeppelin to, you know, to whatever, you know, to Boston, to whatever, you know, pick your, yeah. pick your seventies, you know, rock band of choice. And we've had some cool conversations about that, but yeah, I just, I, I kind of just, I like to, you know, keep it on, keep it on the quiet side and just, you know, I'll talk to you about music all night if, and yeah. we'll have a great conversation, you know, but, but I don't, uh, I don't say, Oh, well, you know, I'm a musician and you should go buy my record or here's, let me give you one of my, re- no, that's not my style. Have any of your kids, uh, friends, parents ever been like, Hey, are you the guy, do you happen to be the same guy that was in all? Yes. Yeah. That's happened to you before. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. very cool. And, and I have had people who've known me for a while and then say, wait a minute. You know, he, are you, were you in Dagnet? Were you, are, I have Punk Rock Academy, you know, in my brain, you know, like, is that you? You never told me, you son of a, yeah. So we've had some of that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, you and may that's have, okay. I, I don't know if you've done this before, but, um, you know, and I don't know that it's necessarily a current trend, but um, I mean, I, I don't know that it just started recently, but a lot of bands are doing the anniversary shows. Have you done any down by law anniversary shows where you play an album? Um, it's funny you should mention that because I think the there is an anniversary for Punk Rock Academy fight song. I think next year is that yeah. right? Is that yeah? And I think somebody's been 
been talking about that, um, about doing something. And then I believe that um, going back even further in time, um, the Brotherhood album turns a certain magical age, I think this year. Um, and so there's some discussion either this year, or next year, I can't remember, but um, there's some discussion about trying to do something special for that. So, yeah, I don't, and I don't mind that. And I know some people like hate playing their older stuff. I absolutely love it. I, I, you know, cause if you loved it at the beginning, why wouldn't you love it now? Right. Yeah. Like, don't, you know, like, like just enjoy it and have fun and, and realize how much the other thing too, I will, when I put out a song or, you, you know, or you put out a podcast or whatever into the world, or you write an article, whatever it, that now belongs to the world. It's not yours anymore. Yeah. Um. So, so can I say that belongs to everybody who loves Can I Say? It's their album. And Punk Rock Academy Fight Song, that is their album. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Don't Sleep, you know, our, 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 our new album, you know, it's called Sea Change, S-E-E Change, just coming out. Like when that comes out, that's, that's their, that's the audience's album. It's no longer anybody's but theirs. So every album you own, Whoever you are in life, that's your album. It, it is there for you. It matters to you. It is it personally affects you, and that is great. So I don't care if it's as huge as Michael Jackson, right? But when I hear Billie Jean or you know or Thriller or whatever, some huge you know, multi gazillion people listen. That's my song now. Yeah, and 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 it's your song if you're listening to it too, right? It's cool. So like those are. That's why music matters. So um, if you, I have no problem going back to, to pay homage in a way to the fact that so many people made EYS theirs or made Dagnasty theirs or made all theirs or made, you know, Down by a Lot theirs or Don't Sleep or Bandolars, whatever, you know, so it's, I, I love it. And I, I hope that there's good opportunities to, to do that. I would love it. Um, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but since Dig Me Out is all about kind of talking about the overlooked underappreciated albums from the nineties. Is there any album that you would recommend that uh, Tim and Jay listen to and review someday? Um, I would say the Doughboys um, oh, from my- Montreal, Canada were um, a phenomenal group. And I don't remember their exact years of existence. I think that um, I, I think they did do um, they have an album called crush yeah mm-hmm. i, th- I yep. think they might they, i think they might have reviewed that one. Oh, okay great yeah so i know that they, they we toured with them in all so i know that it was in the 80 late 80s 88 um where where that was where they were existing but i'm pretty sure they lasted into the 90s yeah. so i would say that's that's definitely one um trying to think of who else there was um and then, boy you're right you're kind of catching me um, yeah. unawares, but no, I, no, I should have asked you that, but I should have asked you that at the beginning and let you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely say that, um, that whole era of epitaph bands, um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of greatness in that. Um, and some of those aren't quote unquote hidden gems, right? Like, I mean, it's hard to say any bad religion album is hidden, right? Cause they're so, right. so very popular. And, and those albums were, you know, some of those nineties albums were untouchable, you know? Um, and uh you know uh the 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 certainly you know the early early rancid stuff you know mind-boggling as well and um so i don't know if i if i actually am thinking of i'm going to think of this and 
you know, five minutes from now, I'm going to say, dang it, why didn't I remember X, Y, or Z? Um, but, but I would say just that whole movement of, like you mentioned, it was getting huge, but it was, it was still almost raw enough to be a new thing. And it, it was getting huge sometimes, but it was not, um, it was not so huge that it wasn't special. And so um, a lot of those bands that were just coming out at that time, you know, um, I mean, I remember playing with Pennywise um, and just being like, oh, wow, these guys are really good, like really good. Oh, my gosh. You know, and like the the the, the, the tightness and the, the dedication to their music was one thing that I was like, you know, and again, they're huge. So I'm not saying that's a hidden gem, but I'm saying sure. like, maybe again, kind of like going backwards in time, go back and watch an early Pennywise video, maybe, or something, you know, a, a live video, or go back and go back even further, you know, in time and, and visit things new and fresh. And you'd be surprised how surprised you will be and how awesome something can be. Yeah. Well, the internet, everybody knows how to use the internet these days. Uh, but is there any, any place you want, you know, you, you said the don't sleep album's coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah. So I think it's June 2nd uh, okay. comes out. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, the internet, I, if people don't know how to, how to search for that on their own right now, that's uh, too bad because we're far enough along, but is there any place, any, anything you want people to check out any, do you have any social media stuff that you want people to follow? Like what, what would be a good way to kind of. Oh, thanks. What, um, what I don't doing? really do too much of that kind of stuff. Actually. Um, I would just say, um, you know, definitely. Uh, I think in this year, there'll be a new down by law album. And I think in certainly on June 2nd, the Don't Sleep album will come out. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, you got to believe in what you do, right? Or hopefully. And if you don't, then don't do it. Like if I thought an album wasn't really, you know, if I didn't love it, I would say, nah, guys, let's just, let's just hang on. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and there've been, there've been some songs that I've done that I'm like, yeah, you know, we did not, we missed it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like that, uh, what was that album? They can't all be zingers. Who was that by? Um, that by Primus, I think. They oh, can't all yeah. be zingers. I think that was maybe the Primus greatest hits album, but uh, which was a great title. Um, yeah. But um, you know, so so yeah. You occasionally, you know, even Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth struck out once in a while, you know. <laughs> but um, but uh, overall, Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth, you know, were fantastic, you know, baseball players. So so I think I try to to get at least a single every time, if not a double, if not a triple, if not a home run, you know? And, um, and so I'm really stoked about the new don't sleep album. It's um, this is a band of guys, like I said, who formed based around our love of where we all came up with our, you know, our roots and, um, and it shows and it's like, and the drummer phenomenal, the guitar player phenomenal. Um, you know, everybody's fully committed and it, yeah. you, you hear it in the song. So it's very distinctive. Um, and it has its own sound and, um, it's based in the, in the roots that we share, but it's, it's got its own thing, which is, you know, I'm, I'm very stoked about that. Very cool. I'm anxious to hear it. So I'll, I'll be, I'll Thanks. We'll make sure we get one to you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. Do you want a vinyl copy? Cause we'll get, you get a vinyl copy if you like, uh, that'd be or, or do you prefer vinyl or do you want CD or no, audio or um, like, in a digital or whatever? No, you know, honestly, because of, uh, I, I bought a record. I mean, I had a record player when I was a kid and of course, like, uh, you know, then I went to CDs and then the iPod came out and I thought, why do I ever need to own something physical again? I can own every song. In my I hand. know it brother. I know it. And yeah. then about, about 10 years ago, I was at a, a garage sale and I got a turntable for 30 bucks and, um, uh, I don't know if I can do this. We'll see. 
So, uh, so that's my vinyl. Oh yeah. Oh, that does not look like a brand new record collection. That looks like you got some, some quantity there. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So I, I've gotten way back into it. Um, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I will say, you know, from a pure, you know, after doing this for so long, I can tell you that analog recording does blow away digital. There's just no question. Um, it's not just like being hip or indie to say that it is actually really true. Analog yeah. beats digital hands down. There's a warmth to it. And the physical experience of holding vinyl and putting it on and pushing play or lifting the needle and putting, you know, there's nothing like that. You have now become invested with the music in a way that just hitting it on your, on your phone or your iPod or whatever, you know, I'm, that, I, you I know. loved I love, don't get me wrong. I love digital. I love being able to listen to anything, sure. whenever, wherever, however, but it's so easy to go to the next song, go to the next song. Oh, wait, um, let me try something else. Let me try something else. The vinyl, like you're putting it on and you're committed to it. And that's what I love about it is I have to be committed to it. And I tend to enjoy it a lot more because I, I put the time into it instead of skipping around. So. Yeah. So I have a very, very small story and I know we've been talking way too yeah. long. So I apologize um, yeah. to you and to anybody who suffered through this whole thing. But, <laughs> um, but I will tell you that, so vinyl, like you said, at that time was kind of, you know, that 90s period started to to go down, right? It oh, was yeah. going down and CDs were the thing. And there was a discussion at um, at Epitaph about how do we do we continue doing vinyl, you know, which I'm sure every indie and major label was having the same discussions at that time. And again, because everybody was saying, no, I don't want vinyl anymore, you know, and I want a CD at that time was the thing. So I was, I'm fairly proud of um, you know, one thing, uh, in my life, hopefully more than one, but, but there's one that I can think of in this conversation that I did write, which was, I said, not only do I, I really beg you, please don't stop making vinyl, you know, to, to, to Brad and everybody. But I said, I am begging you for permission to put out a double album for all scratched up. And so that's the album that came out after, after Punk Rock Academy fight song. Yeah. Well, luckily Punk Rock Academy fight song had done so well that you know they're like all right you're a pain in the ass you know <laughs> like okay you know so 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 they did and we recorded and if you have the vinyl of of uh of all scratched up it's a double vinyl that was so against the trend at that time and it's uh you know you know quote unquote against the grain right again yeah, like better right. so so we went against the grain and and it's i'm very proud of that album from you know from tip to tip to bottom you know and um uh you know so so we 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 showed our our love of um you know of, of vinyl uh even in the mid 90s so that's awesome that's yeah awesome. i'd like to think i made my tiny little contribution to keeping vinyl alive <laughs> very cool yeah well this has been an absolute pleasure uh i really appreciate you. your your i mean you seem like such a positive guy uh not not that the bands i talked to aren't positive but people have gone through those waves right where maybe they've gone through some really tough times but um it seems yeah. like your outlook has just been been phenomenal and so i appreciate thank you i appreciate you sharing thank you that. and i i'm i i think it, you know first of all thank you for having me and thanks for a great conversation really have enjoyed it um but but to your point i think um i it's very easy in life for all of us and and me notwithstanding everybody to have moments where you're hit hard with various things illness um you know um you know financial um you know career relationship music you know art whatever you do can hit can and it will it will hit a lull um you will get sick you will um uh you know have a 
you know, at one one point in your life, unless you're extraordinarily lucky, you will break up with someone you thought that you were going to be with for the rest of your life, um, et cetera. And I, I hope that all of us are past those points now. But, you know, at some point, we've all had our heart broken. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And the anguish of that is is, is awful. Um, but I would say that I am happy to be seen as a as a guy who's also been there with you on that journey, brothers and sisters. I truly have been. Um, you know, Frank Sinatra regrets I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I don't even know about that part for me, but I definitely, I definitely, you know, we all have regrets. But um, the trick is, if there is a trick, is to know that those bad times form you and shape you in ways you can't even imagine at the time. And that they, their doors opening, like I said earlier, their doors opening from all these things that happen to you sometimes that you wouldn't have expected and that shape you in new ways that you might never have expected and you might never have done had you not gone through the the, the, the rough time. So I'm not being, you know, blindly um, Pollyanna-ish or, you know, optimistic about it, but I am going to say that um, I'm here for you and and I hope that you know, my music is, is, um, reminds you that life can be, uh, extraordinary as well as extraordinarily hard. And, um, even when it's extraordinarily hard, we can get through it together and music will be one of your best ways to do that. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I think that's a great way to, to wrap this up. So thank you for taking the time and, you know, all the listeners can check you out at Don't Sleep and then can go back and listen to all the Down by Law stuff and be on the lookout for a new Down by Law album. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Chip. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.